Welcome to the Sky STEM podcast. My name is Nancy Wu, and today we have an entry from our Fraud Diary. The Fraud Diary series is where we talk about a case in the business world where someone or some people abuse their professional knowledge and power、um, to enrich themselves, to mislead the public, or commit general wrongdoing. All of the cases here are researched based on what's publicly available on the internet. And we just compile it together here. We mean no disrespect to anyone identified here. This is purely for educational purposes, and you are encouraged to do your own research as well. Today's case is the second part of a case involving a woman named Rita Crundwell. Who stole fifty-three million dollars from the town of Dixon, Illinois? In the previous podcast episode, in part one, we focused on the timeline and the nature of the fraud itself. In this episode, let's talk about the warning signs and the red flags that evaded everyone. For twenty-two years, Rita Crunwell was able to fool not only her colleagues. But also her bank, as well as Dixon's independent auditors, which was a national firm. Rita Crunwell, in her capacity as the treasurer and comptroller of Dixon, Illinois, embezzled an average of over two million dollars a year from city accounts in a city that has an operating budget of only about ten million dollars a year, roughly, and in some years, even less than that. She was able to do it undetected for 22 years, even though the city council held meetings regularly, even though the city banks with a well-known bank, and even though the city gets audited by a nationally recognized firm every year. How was she able to do this? Now that we have the benefit of hindsight. Let's talk about some of the red flags and warning signals that perhaps should have triggered some alarm. Dixon is a very small town where everyone knew each other. One of the biggest red flags of a fraudster is when someone seems to be living beyond their means. This red flag is well documented in fraud studies. Rita Crunwell made eighty thousand dollars a year. As the treasurer and controller of Dixon, yet her jewelry costs hundreds of thousands of dollars, and she owns a horse farm with hundreds of horses that require millions of dollars to upkeep. It did seem odd, and people did notice, but she was able to explain it away. She maintained that her equestrian business was doing really well. Her horses won purses, and she made a lot of money breeding champion racehorses. It was believable because she was very well known nationally as a champion breeder. So people assumed that her money came from the success of her horse business, but in reality, it was the other way around. Her horse business was successful because she essentially had unlimited funds to invest in it, and those funds came from Dixon taxpayers. What about the city council? This town did not have hundreds of millions of dollars in their operating budget, where money could conceivably slip through the cracks without detection. For example, in 2018, she siphoned off six million dollars for herself when the entire city's budget for that year was less than nine million dollars. Didn't the city council notice? 
Well, they did notice. Rita Cronwell covered it up by claiming that the town's budget shortfalls was due to the state of Illinois being late in paying its share of the tax revenue, which of course was not true. City departments were forced to make drastic service cuts in order to keep the budget within reason. As a result, employees went two years or more without raises, and the police department could not afford new radios. The most visible effect, however, was probably going to be on the street maintenance. The city was forced to lay off three of its nine street repair workers and cut the rate of maintenance. In the 10 years prior to Cronwell's arrest, only 65 blocks of road were repaired or replaced. What about the bank? Was there anything that Fifth Third Bank could have done or should have noticed? Well, it was curious in terms of how Rita was able to open up the bank account on behalf of the city council. To open up a bank account, she would have needed a resolution from the city to authorize the action. That control is put in place so that no one could open an account on behalf of the town without the town's knowledge, which. Ironically, is exactly what happened here. For some reason, Rita was able to open up the reserve sewers account without a city resolution and without multiple signatories. Also, the bank should probably not have allowed Rita Cronwell to cash checks written to "quote unquote" treasurer, which is what she did for much of the embezzlement. It's is too vague for a payee name. Oftentimes, there also would be these same-day transfers. Meaning that money came into one account, and Rita would request to move it immediately into another account. This is a banking red flag, and someone should have raised that as a concern. Finally, let's talk about the external auditors, which at the time was Clifton Gunderson, and now the firm is called Clifton Larson Allen. For over two decades, this firm was the city's external auditors. They also did Rita Cronwell's personal tax return. There were many, many red flags, but we'll just talk about a few. First off, on Rita Cronwell's personal tax return, she she could not fully substantiate her her ill-gotten income, and the employees who prepared those tax returns,、um, they chose her for whatever reason. They chose not to press her for full substantiation, either through 1099s, W2s, etc. In terms of the audit of the city itself. Rita manufactured invoices from the state, and the format of those invoices looked wildly different than actual legitimate invoices from the state. They were not even close. However, if you've never seen an invoice from the state, or if you never looked it up,、um, you may not know what it's supposed to look like. A lot of times, the auditors doing the field work. Are not the most experienced, and in this case, the auditors failed to detect that the invoices don't look anything like the real state-issued invoices. The auditors also never try to substantiate the nature of these invoices,、um, theoretically coming from the state, other than to ask the process owner, Rita Cronwell. They they never went to the city engineering department to independently verify. Whether the work was done,、um, or go to the work site to see that the work was done. When doing bank confirms every year, it also seemed like it was not standard procedure to ask Fifth Third Bank to list out all the accounts under the city's name. 
That is why the fake reserve sewer account evaded attention all of these years. This is a fascinating case in that it is the perfect storm of occupational fraud. It is a mix of too much authority resting in one individual, too much trust placed in one person, lack of general operational supervision and segregation of duties, a sense of complacency when it comes to the audit, all of it brewing together to generate a $53 million fraud event perpetrated by one person over the course of more than two decades. I hope you enjoyed the story. If you're not familiar with SkyStem, come pay us a visit at www.skystem.com and learn all about what it means to automate and save time during the month and close and improve internal controls to combat fraud.